it was probably within maybe a month, three weeks to about a month after I met with them and said, no, we're not doing this. You do your own thing. That's when the lug nuts were loosened on our vehicles. And that's when I noticed problems with my computer. So it seemed like it was shortly after I met with that individual who I exposed in the book that my work was deleted the first time. Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. We're going to talk about those nasty things that get in the way of what you want to do of your careers, your businesses, all of the thing. We're going to talk about how to handle obstacles. And for those of you who are business owners, <laughs> you need to know how to handle obstacles and you need to do it well. Most everybody can sort of skirt them. They can get around them if they want to. But when you own a business and it's your livelihood, there is no choice but to deal with them. And some other people out there, they deal with them too because something they're working on is so meaningful to them that they're going to just push through no matter what the obstacle is. I am here today to talk with Pepper Ann. She is a true crime author and she has encountered some obstacles. We are going to talk about some stuff, y'all. <laughs> so, but before we dive into her story and the crazy obstacles that she had to overcome, and she did them with more grace than probably a lot of people do. <laughs> But I want to give her the opportunity to tell us a bit about what it is that she does. Tell us maybe just a little snippet about her book. We'll go into it deeper. Pepper Ann, let us know. Tell us tell us all the things. Okay. Well, first off, I'm a true crime author and I love to write about injustices. I love to tell everybody the whole story behind the real story and let everybody make their own decision. And it's like, it's become my, my signature, my thing. I love researching and writing and telling it as it is. And that's, that's who I am. I'm just a true crime author trying to tell the story, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, 
right? There's a lot of writers out there, a lot mm-hmm. of different kinds of writers. I write, I'm writing books, I write newsletters, copy, <laughs> all kinds of things. Some for marketing, some for fun. Um, I used to write poetry, all kinds of things, but I never was a true crime author. So why is it that you are so committed to telling the whole truth and letting us make our own decisions? Well, what got me into this genre was because I heard about a story of a family member who is, his story made national news back in 2001. He and uh, four other convicts escaped from a local county jail here in Texas. And I started reading and researching the real story. And there was a lot of hidden secrets and things that other people were involved in with them. And I had learned that they're still committing those crimes today. And he was the only one who took the bat for it. And so the reason it's true crime for me is because I wanted to expose all of them. And it just, it, it just became my thing. It was just something that I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to let others know, hey, if you see this person, be aware, you know, be on the lookout because they're, they're hurting people. And once I wrote the book, I realized I want to tell on somebody else. <laughs> I like being the title to tell on the wrong people, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, and I love that it's important to you to really do the research and get the facts and have it be as clear as possible so that people can make up their own decisions so often you know, when we talk about gossip, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, she said this. And can you believe that he did this? And I bet you they're still doing that. And that one phrase, I bet you they're still doing that. Three people later is they're definitely doing that. And people's lives are destroyed from rumorville things without facts. So I love that it's important to you to expose the truth. It, it is. And what I loved about writing it is that I was able to back everything up. I love the fact that you can have your index and in the index, you can put all the proof, all the stuff that people had tried to destroy, but they didn't know that that somebody was going to come along and find an extra piece of paper and connect the dots. I love that when you can pull things out and tell the story, if you can back it up, then it just it just confirms everything. It's like, hey, wake up, people. Let's see what what's going on. And to me, that's so important. Like you said, gossip flies, and by the time it gets to the third or fourth person, it's it it's it's a rumor mill, and it's it's nothing but lies. And to me, it's just important to get the whole truth of the story and let people decide on their own. I'm not trying to sway anyone in one direction or the other. I'm not, I just want to tell the story. When I was researching, I had to dig, I had to do it old school style. I had to dig through files and things that people had, like I said, they thought the records were destroyed. And what I loved about it is I found pieces, little tags, pieces of paper and things that, that have made people that I've exposed scared. It terrified them and it should. Because if yeah. you're hurting people, that'll come out. It comes out. Everything comes out eventually. 
Yeah, it must be thrilling when you're on a quest to solve. It's like solving a problem. When you finally solve the problem, I can't even imagine the dopamine that happens in your body. Like, oh, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so uncovering a true crime story that's been put away, like nobody's looking into it anymore, in a way that itself is just one big obstacle. When we do something that is against our value system, the things that we believe to be true and right, even if we know it's dangerous to step forward, it all, it will create this internal conflict. Like, mm -hmm. Obviously, you've got to keep your family safe and do the thing, but at some point that not standing up for your values and what you think is true and right eats away at a person it 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 like it's like a little rat nibbling away at your self-esteem and so over time it does a lot of damage there's this park by my house with trees that are over 100 years old and the other day I was there and one of these trees just like you heard it rip and you heard it like, very. I watched it very slowly fall. And what happened was that some rats were burrowing under the tree and they had been gnawing the wood and they had basically separated the tree from half of its roots. Mm -hmm. And so this is what happens when you do things that are against your values. It, it, it like it severs part of your roots and it creates the situation where over time you might just fall over like the tree. So I love that people stepped forward and were willing to say, I'm not going to let these rats eat at my roots anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I know is right and get the information out there. I agree. I think that that is what made me realize that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. It was that. And then another aha moment that I had, aside from these individuals telling one another, I, I met with some of the individuals who were victimized by these people, these perpetrators. Bob, he's the one the story is about, and, and the other escapees. And I became very close to these people. And I realized that they were healing by talking to me and telling me their story. So it was, it was 
such a great feeling to write this and to research it and to meet these amazing and remarkable people and to see that maybe in some way it was helping them also. So there are so many pieces to this book. And once I finished it, I thought, I want to do another one. I want to see if I can help somebody else. I want to, I, I want to do it, you know, yeah. in whatever way it is, if it's exposing stuff or giving answers to people or helping them heal, that's what I want to do. Right. And you said it earlier, like the wanting the justice, like exposing injustice. And that's probably if you were going to do a class on finding your purpose, it probably has something to do with uncovering injustice. <laughs> yes. You're right. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, it's funny. So we think about obstacles and there's there's a few ways people handle them. <laughs> Sometimes you hit an obstacle, you're working really hard on something, you hit an obstacle. And you freak out, you get emotional, you yell at people, you stomp, you kick, you uh, scream. Sometimes you will just shut down and go to bed for a few days. And other times you'll give up. Now you hit some obstacles. Mm -hmm. I did. Would you share with us some of those obstacles along the way? When of course, obviously, finding information is an obstacle in itself. But you had some that were a little bigger than that. I did. So while I was working on the project, my work had been deleted multiple times. I had to rewrite the story three different times. And how did that happen? Because they had hacked the individuals I was exposing. They had hacked into my computer. And they deleted my work. They got into it and they wiped it off. A bug, one of my laptops that I'd had, they had sent it in an email and I'd had a virus. I opened it and it destroyed everything. I had to give it to a dear friend of mine who works on computers. He works on mine and he said, yeah, we need to, to get you up and going again. We need to get you another one because this can't, I couldn't even turn my computer on. It was so bad. And my editor was looking to see if I had sent him my most recent work. He couldn't find it. I had other family members looking to see if I'd send it to him. This happened a couple of times, one through email, another one. They so boldly got into my computer and deleted my work. They deleted that. And I had to keep doing it. I had to keep writing it. Well, what, did you, what did you do though? Like the first time, because the first time I think is the most devastating <laughs> with something <laughs> like that. I know I've had I've had my computer crash and lost all my stuff. It's nothing like that. I keep a lot of my stuff in the cloud for that reason. But I guess if you were going to hack, you'd hack cloud. But yeah, tell me about how you handled that when it happened. Because I can only imagine how much was going through your mind, your body. <laughs> I was devastated. The first time I thought, I don't want to do this again. The second time I thought, you got to be kidding me. My family, my family is the reason I kept going because they kept saying, you're going to do this. You found too much stuff. You have to get it out there. They saw a side of me that a lot of people don't because it, I was devastated. 
Right. And they, right. they saw how distraught I was, how upset I was. I was so angry. I kept going back and I kept doing it. And I kept thinking, why is this happening? But every time that I had to rewrite it, it seemed like it was better than the one before. It was almost, it was almost like God was saying, no, go on, let's start again. I mean, I know I'm not saying God was the one that deleted. I'm not saying that, but you know, um, but the third time I, I do want to share this because this is an amazing, this is, this is really what pushed me to, to write it the last and final time. And my family, they were like, you're going to, you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. And I had written it so many times. I kind of remembered everything. Right. So I could just go in there and do it. But last and final time that it happened, I slammed the top of my laptop down and I put it on the ottoman. I was working at part-time in a hospital gift shop. I went into work and I thought, okay, I get away from this. And I said out loud to God, just don't. I'm not doing this anymore. Just don't. I got to the hospital gift shop within, I was probably 30 to 45 minutes of being there. I had the same encounter three times. There were three individuals who came in. They wanted a Coke. They had not drank a Coke in one of the one of the ladies was on the ICU nurse upstairs from where I was at, and she hadn't had one in years, and she was craving it. And something told her she needed to come downstairs and crank for someone. Well, and instead of going to the cafeteria, she came into the gift shop, and we talked. And she said, "I'm supposed to pray for you. You're supposed to finish this book." That happened to me. There were three three times that happened that evening. I called my family and I said, "I can't believe this happened." I just can't believe this happened. This is a sign from God. I'm supposed to do that. So I picked it back up and it didn't. While that was happening, our lug nets were loosened on our vehicles, mm. different vehicles, different, different times. And I wanted to do it because I was scared for my family. Right. I love them. I don't want anything to happen to them because it's something I'm doing. And they kept saying, keep going. There's something you're supposed to tell the world. You've got to do this. So between the lug nuts and the work being deleted, I, I don't think I really realized how much the story belonged to me until I got into the hospital gift shop. And I realized it's mine. It's something to tell and I'm going to tell it. Well, and it's so powerful that your family was behind you, even though it potentially meant danger for them. They're the only reason the book's out there. They're the only reason they believed in me. I'm very fortunate to have those people in my corner. They love me and believe in. It's amazing what we can do when we have somebody that believes in us. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about obstacles and anybody that's trying to do anything big, write a book, build a business, uh, claw your way to the top of a career. Find a love, that's a big one, that you, that's healthy and beautiful. There's always going to be obstacles. And sometimes we don't have the confidence and the self-esteem within ourselves 100% of the time, because often we have the confidence to do it. But there are times when those obstacles come crashing down and when they keep coming and coming and coming 
And it's so hard to pick yourself up and keep going, but having the having just even one person to say, I believe in you, I see you, I know you can do this is enough to get you through to the next step to actually overcome the obstacle. And that's that's what it was. It was it was it was my family. They're the ones and you know and my friends. My friends, I had, I had a great support system and I needed it. But, you know, what you need is always there if you just step back and look. You always have, whether it's one or a hundred, it doesn't matter. You always have it. You just have to step back and look at your surrounding and then look at your potential. Well, in one of the pieces too, I love that you say step back and look. When we're faced with an obstacle, we are so often looking at what we lack, looking at what's not there. I had these expectations that I was going to get this done on the first try. (laughs) And so all we can see is that expectation, poof, into the atmosphere, it's gone, and we don't have it. And we don't think about all that we gain when we get to the other side of one of those obstacles. So I'm in the mindset, if you've listened, been listening to me for a while, you know, I say, well, the universe is working for you. <laughs> My friend who went through a life, life-altering illness tra- stuff, you know, <laughs> she'll say when she's having a bad day, She'll be on the phone with me. I know, I know the universe is working for me. <laughs> and I don't say it because she knows it. She'll say it for herself. But, you know, it's hard sometimes to really see that and see that there is something good that comes from these crazy things that happen when you're deep in it because all you can focus on is the lack instead of what you have. And so what I love about your work getting deleted is that it highlighted so strongly the support that you have. You know, something else that happened, the, the support, I mean, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate to have the people in my life that I do earlier. When I first took this project on, I never written a book before, never written anything. And I don't know, you know, I'm self-published and I'd reached out to many literary agents in the beginning because I'd followed and let them know a little bit about your book, reach out and see if if they want to take your story and then you can continue to write. And I did that. And I was afraid in the very beginning that I didn't have the backing to write this book. Have experience or doubt of myself. Thought maybe I'm not good enough to do this. By the time it happened, the second time I had to rewrite this, all of those doubts went away. I thought I am the only one to write this book. And it was kind of like having that work deleted. Not only did it show me who's in my corner, it gave me the confidence to know that I'm the only one to do it. And I knew that I was. Others had tried to take this project on and they backed out for one reason or another, whether they were scared or intimidated or they just didn't have the energy. I don't know. But it gave me the confidence to know that 
This is mine. I'm not letting anybody get in the way. And I realized that I was going to self-publish. And once I did that, I threw all those negative thoughts out of my mind. I just realized I'm not time for this. I'm going to move forward. So that, what, what seemed like a negative at the time may have actually been a good positive for me. But to rewrite it that many times, I've just drive you insane. <laughs> well, as somebody who's worked with writing coaches and who is writing herself, I, you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite. And mm-hmm. to be forced to scrap it all and start from scratch, for it to give you the confidence of knowing that this is what's what's true and right for you, even if you had chosen to go out and find a outside publisher and not self-publish, you would have come off so differently writing those query letters because you knew you were the right person to do this. And so that to develop that kind of confidence in yourself as a writer is a huge, it's a huge boon. You know, anyone that's submitted for publishing knows you're going to get hundreds of rejections. It's just the way it is. I got hundreds of rejections and on, on my book and and now I'm so grateful, right? Here's the obstacles. The obstacles, like nobody wanted to publish my book of the people that I sent it to. I didn't finish it. I haven't finished it yet. But because I took a detour and I was working on a different style of writing over the last year and a half, and I learned so much in this time that, oh my goodness, is my book going to be seriously so much better and so much more consumable for the average person so if we can see far enough ahead we can't always see what's up ahead but there's always going to be a benefit there's always going to be a learning there's always going to be something if we choose to allow it we could stay focused in the lack what all the things that the obstacle took away from us or we can choose to see what are the things that this has given me and what do I get to take with me as a result? It, and sometimes it takes a little time to yeah. get in that frame of mind. But if I had stuck with it and continued, no, make no mistake about it. These literary agents were amazing with me. And you know, they don't always respond to people. They're right. not interested. And I have many of them say, keep going. Your writing is a, it's exceptional. This is a regional story. I don't know how I could push it, but you need to find its place in the literary world. And it was that encouragement, those encouraging words that kept me going. But if I would have continued to reach out to them, and that obviously was not the right place for me, I wouldn't have got my, my PA, Laura. I wouldn't have... That all the people I met, all my friends, my other friends, all these people, I wouldn't have, I would have gone down a completely different road. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that things worked out the way they did. Because for me, it's the way my story was supposed to go. Well, and the funny thing too, often the obstacles I think are 
you know, we could talk about God or the universe or whatever. Yeah, like if you have this idea of something that you want and the obstacles, I think, are there to teach you something that will prepare you for this big thing that you want. And so the universe or God or whatever thing out there knows what you want and it knows that maybe you might not be ready. Like I tell my clients sometimes, if somebody handed you, like maybe they have a company that they're bringing in 200K a year. And if somebody handed you a $10 million company right now, would you be able to run it? And they say, sure, totally, totally, yes. <laughs> you know, it's their first company. <laughs> and the reality is, they haven't overcome the threshold and the obstacles it takes to be able to do that. Once you run a $10 million, a successful $10 million business, then you can build one from scratch rather quickly. Just the way you rewrote the book, I'm sure in way less time each time you rewrote it. <laughs> my better, my next one better not be done. I don't think it will. My next one will go a lot smoother and it will be done a lot quicker. But well, right, because you take that every obstacle, every right. time you have to redo, you get stronger, you get right. better, you gain your skills, all of those things. And <laughs> and so my clients will say, well, I would really try my best. I know how you would try your best. <laughs> you better make sure you hire some good people real fast to help you because otherwise it's just going to go right down the drain. Um, <laughs> But sometimes our dreams are bigger than what we're capable of yet. So often our obstacles come along and they may be frustrating and they may knock you out for a month, even even longer sometimes, depending. But if you really want what you want and you look at what you can learn from it and how you can grow, you're going to be closer to those goals, those dreams that you want. So how long did, so how long did it knock you out the first time? Oh my goodness. So it took me a total of 12 years to get the book out there. First time, I think it probably took me because I was completely new at this. So I had to start my researching and everything. So I think it probably took me a little over a year with all of my interviews and everything. Yeah. A little over a year. Yeah, because I had to reach out to Bob and ask him if I could write the story. And then I had to get my, my attorney. I had to get all the legal, the contracts and everything in place. I had to find an editor. From start to the time it was deleted, I want to say maybe about a year and a half. I feel like that's pretty quick. I for a new writer doing all the research and getting a lot of the writing done, that's, that's pretty fast. Well, and I was probably, the first time they did it, I wasn't completely done with it. I was probably halfway through it the first time. Yeah. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And they knew what I was doing. So let me back up just a hair. When I first took this project on, the individuals who wanted me to, they wanted me to, write the story with them because they wanted to oversee what I was doing. They were also the ones I was exposing. I told them, I said, no, absolutely not. We're not going to do this. So it was probably within maybe a month 
three weeks to about a month after I met with them and said, no, we're not doing this. You do your own thing. That's when the lug nuts were loosened on our vehicle. And that's when I noticed problems with my computer. So it seemed like it was shortly after I met with that individual who I exposed in the book that my work was deleted the first time. And then it just seemed like, and then it, I don't know. How long did it take you to pick up the writing again after it was deleted? I think it probably took me, I think it probably took me about two weeks. Oh, that's so fast. For something that big, that's really such a quick, I just have to commend you because to pick up after something you've spent a year and a half heart and soul working on to only stop for two weeks. The only reason I did that is because I would go and I would interview Bob and he would make the statements to me. He would say, I'm not the only one that should be in here. There are other people that need to be in here. And so Bob is your family member? Mm -hmm. He's my cousin. He's the one that the story is about. Yeah. So without telling us the whole story, because we want people to get the book. <laughs> without without telling us the whole story, can you give us a quick synopsis? I know there are true crime people out there that just love this stuff. So give us a little bit of detail about it so that they are inspired to pick it up the book. Okay. Well, Bob is a very interesting character. He's, he's still alive. He got into the life of crime when he was very young and he was led into it by other individuals, his father being one. He got caught up in so much stuff he couldn't get out of. And he was working with law enforcement to commit these crimes. He got out of one extent, got into another. And the individuals that I'm exposing are the ones who paid his bonds from the first extent. And they never let him go. They never let him go. He broke out of jail twice, and he Mm. is probably most known for that second jail escape. And it all ended in a shootout in North Texas. It was an eight-hour shootout, and he released the cop that was being held hostage in the home. And it's just an amazing story. But what made me get back on this story was that I didn't, Bob and I didn't know we were related to one another. So when I heard the story, I reached out and it said, hey, we're, we're cousins. You know, our grandpas were brothers. And I want to write this story. But I want to tell it from not only your perspective, but a family perspective. I want to tell the truth. Because there's so many articles out there that are written and they don't have the full story. So it was important to give it out there. And so each time that my work was deleted, he was one of the main ones. One of the main reasons I wanted to keep getting back on it because he kept saying, I'm not the only one that should be sitting in here. And he's right. He's right. So it was my family. My family had a huge impact on me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get back on it. I thought, I don't want to do this. And I just felt compelled to do it. Yeah. You told me when we spoke before, you told me that you would lie in bed. And that the story would just keep going through your head. It wouldn't let you go. Yes. 
Yes. And I know when you're driven by a purpose, it seems like even if you don't want to do it, you've got to do it. It's like it has a hold on you. It just won't let you go. And so people who are driven by purpose really understand this. It's like, you know, there are multiple ways that we can fulfill our purpose. But man, when something's got a hold of you, it's like you've just got to see it to fruition. You can't let it go. I felt like there were times I felt like it was almost my calling. It was like it was something I was supposed to do. Well, okay. So before we talk, I want to talk a little bit more about obstacles in general, but I want people to know how and where they can get your book, how they can contact you. Tell us all that information. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my mom's. People want to people want to read about an eight hour shootout in oh. Texas. I know if there were parts of it that were kind of comical, um, um, probably my website would be the best place to get a hold of me. It's the pepperinauthor.com. And my book is available all over the place. I don't know very many brick and mortar stores that it's located in. I know a few, a few local stores in Texas. But you can go onto my website and there is a way you can, you can contact me. You can sign up for my newsletter, which we send out twice a month. My, my assistant, Laura, is on top of that. She's the one that sends it out. She's amazing. But anyhow, you can, you can email me. You can contact me through the, through the website. And then you can buy the book anywhere. You can type in the Notorious Texas Swindler and it'll pop up from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Walmart, Target, anywhere. I mean, it's even in local libraries all across the U.S. So I love that. Yeah, That's such a cool thing because yeah, man, the la- I went to a library not that long ago here in Brooklyn, and there were hardly any books. I was like, "What is this? It's very confusing." But so the notorious Texas swindler. So if you all are listening, open up the browser right now, type it in the notorious Texas swindler. And get a copy of that book. And you can go to the website at Pepper Ann, and it's A N N E author.com. So you guys can do all of that. <laughs> and okay. So when it came down to it, deleted the third time, you wrote it again. Was there another obstacle, another big obstacle after that third time? I sure was. Oh, gosh, what was it? <laughs> so at the very end, I had found some more evidence, some more proof. I had some questions about individuals who had gotten away with their crimes, how they got out of them. And I did not want to leave any questions in my book unanswered. And I was afraid, knowing myself, that I would want to know why did this happen? And I was starting to get the information as I was. Somebody else had tried to come in and steal my work, meaning they had copied part of the title of my book. And they had decided to write their own version of it. And it happened to be an individual who was working with the fella who contacted me in the beginning and wanted to oversee my work. So it ended up that they, they ended up writing a funny fiction story. 
saying that it was based on true true events, but it wasn't. They made light of all the crimes that were committed in the book, in, in, in Bob's life. So I had to rush to get a book out, and I couldn't put that information that I got at the last minute about some of the individuals who got away with their crime. But my book got out there, and it's a completely different book from theirs because mine is all factual. Right. And it's it's verified. I've interviewed law enforcement, all the people who were victimized. I, I interviewed many people. So my story is, my book is backed up, and it tells a true story. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was, I was afraid that they, the individuals who were trying to beat me to the punch, were going to get theirs out there first. And they beat me by a day, a day or two. Okay. And my assistant, let me just tell you, I, you know, it takes more than one person to write a book. It, it, it does. I don't understand people sometimes when they, they put their name on a book and that's it, but it takes more than an author to get a book out there. It really does. Yeah. For me, it's literary attorney it's you know editor it's my pa it's there's so many people involved she had come in laura had come in kind of the last minute and helped get that book out there and help me self-publish it so yeah there was another uh obstacle but i think i beat it i hope i did well and you can always put the new information in the second edition Oh, maybe. I'm, no, I'm ready to move on to another story. <laughs> 12 and years. Like, I'm done with that. 12 years, three deletions, lung nuts. I'm ready for some new obstacles. <laughs> Safer ones. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you're going to do true crime, I don't know if it's going to get safer. But <laughs> new stories, new future, new things. I'm so excited that we've gotten to have this conversation, especially talking about obstacles and how they can be blessings. Um, And before, I want to ask you some tips on obstacles in a minute. But for those of you entrepreneurs who are out there, you know, the biggest obstacles usually that anybody faces as an entrepreneur is time and money. So I have a free guide out there for you all. It's the three secrets to maximize time and increase profits. These are things that the business gurus are not going to tell you, and you can only get this information here. You can open up your browser, of course, unless you're driving. Don't do it. (laughs) But type in bethewolfgift.com, and you'll have access to that guide. And be the wolf gift.com so that you can overcome the obstacles of time and money in your business. And so now, as you face all of these obstacles, what, what advice would you have? What tips would you have for people when they really want to do something, but these crazy obstacles keep coming up? I think one of the main things that I would tell people is to always believe in yourself. Look deep down inside yourself and see what your strengths are and let those be what puts you. We always have self-doubt. I mean, that's just, I think it's human nature. I mean, I guess it is because we all, I know everybody has Mm self-doubts, but we have to overcome them. We also have strength. And 
for those strengths that we have, we have to let those be what pull us up and push us out there. We all have a purpose. I firmly believe that. We're all here. We all have a purpose. We all have something we're supposed to do in the world. Whatever it is, it's big. For us, each of us, it's big. It could be something as making someone's day, you know, bringing light to someone's life, smiling, being just going out of your way just, just to say hi. We all have a purpose. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that our strengths, they have to be a lot stronger than our, our self-doubt. We, we, need to, we need to remember that. Because there were times when I wanted to get back and I kept thinking, wait a minute, I can do this. This this I know how to do. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. When we think about the strengths, it's focusing on what we have, not what Mm -hmm. we lack. When Mm -hmm. we think about our weaknesses, we focus on what we lack. Mm -hmm. When we focus on what we lack, it's really hard to keep that motivation to overcome the obstacle. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, for me, when I was working on this story, um, I'm I'm a personable kind of person. I mean, don't say. (laughs) People feel comfortable and they open up to me. And to me, that's a gift. That's a strength that not everyone has, you know. And so I thought, okay, I might not have these court records and I don't know how to Go about getting them. I can't, you know, I'm getting a lot of doors shut in my face, but I can talk to people and everybody has something. They need to remember that. What's something you're most proud of? Well, and the thing is, it's like, if you're a strawberry and I'm an orange, you have things that I don't have. I have things that you don't have. Just because I don't have the little seeds on the strawberry and the little green hat (laughs) doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. I have other things that are good that you don't have. And together, I mean, we make a great smoothie. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And you know what? We always have just what we need to get done, what we need to do. We do. If you think about that, it's so true. Okay. So I have one last question. That moment when you discovered that your work was deleted the first time Mm -hmm. and it was just gone, what did that woman need to know at that moment to be able to shake off that disappointment? I think she needed to know and didn't realize it at the time that it didn't matter what experience she'd had in writing. That she didn't need to self-doubt herself. She didn't need to think she couldn't do it because she was strong enough to do it. She was strong enough to do that and more. Yeah. If I could go back and tell her something, it's keep going because this is nothing compared to the final, the final result of your work. That's going to be what's amazing. In fact, my book is a finalist in the Page Turner Book Awards. Ooh. And I'm on the long list. I'm on the long list. I didn't know what that was. Laura had to explain it to me. I feel silly. I should know that. But I'm in the final with other authors. They're all amazing. And you know what? If I hadn't kept pushing and going, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I'm at. 
So it's so worth it. If you have a dream or a goal or something you want to do, just keep going. See what happens. Good. I think that is a perfect place to wrap up. So thank you, Pepper Ann, for being with us, sharing your struggles and overcoming of the obstacles. And remember, everybody, when you operate from who you truly are, you evolve humanity. We'll see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.